0: Well, uh, friends, we we have decided to start early this time around because of uh, just the the, the 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 unavailability of transport um, after hours, and so that is why we started at six o'clock, and um, but. If you have been with us, we have been going through a series called Do Not Love the World. Uh, This series is within a Bible study that we call Issues Affecting the Church Today. And really, the idea behind this series is to bring to attention the, the, the distractions or the dangers of Christians uh, subscribing or being taken away by the world, where Christians uh, uh, are have sort of got one hand in the church and another hand in the world. But on the other hand, this series serves as a, a warning to non believers that really if they live and stay without Christ their souls are in danger of pending damnation and doom and this is a reality that many refute but only believe in the grave beyond life as we know it itself that you had the whole time to understand, well, to, to, to get a glimpse of, 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 of the gospel and to, to savor it, to believe in Christ. Um, but you chose to ignore the word of God. And now that your life has come to an end, you are ruining the missed opportunity. Well, today we have, we, we have looked at pornography. We have looked at narcissism, the love of self. We have looked at worldliness. And last week we were looking at cohabiting. And uh, Brother Ndo did such a sterling job as he brought out the hazards, the dangers of cohabiting. And closely linked to cohabiting is being unevenly yoked. If you've got your Bibles with you, please turn to 1 John. First of all, 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. Verse 15 to 17 i'll read that and then i'll read second corinthians chapter 6 verse 14 to 16 this is the word of god do not love the world or the things in the world if anyone loves the world the love of the father is not in him for all that is in the world the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the and pride in possessions is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. Turn with me to Second Corinthians. you turn to your to your left uh, from first john second corinthians chapter 6 verse 14 to 16. this is the word of god do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the the living God. As God said... I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them and I will be their God and they shall be my people what Paul has in mind in 2nd Corinthians uh, chapter 6 verse 14 to to 16 is first of all the, the broader context that Paul was addressing false teachers Versus, he was was actually defending his apostleship. And so in his second letter to the Christians in Corinthians, or in Corinth, these Christians had subscribed to false teaching. They had subscribed to orators, people who were superb in delivery and very, uh, entertaining, they were elaborate. They were they were smart. They were slick, They they probably smelled nice, and looked good, and and, and they would entertain everyone in the in the, well the theaters or the coliseums or whatever. And people would be wowed by their speech and their language. And and really, Paul was saying do not run to these false teachers that is the context that is what the text is talking about the text is not necessarily talking blatantly on marriage or blatantly on uh, friendships but paul is addressing um, the believers and their love for false teachers And he says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. So he calls the uh, the false prophets or the false teachers unbelievers. These are not Christians. You are wowed by the wrong things. They do not know God. They pretend to have a a, a slight inclination to godliness. They They may even affirm the name of Jesus, but they are not saved. They are not Christians. But what is irrefutable and unmistakable is that in this text are principles thereof that we can apply to life as Christians across the board. And those uh, principles are in in our view of marriage, in our View of friendships in our business partnerships, etc., etc., etc. And so I want us to look at three aspects of being unevenly yoked, and expound, namely, on when a spouse gets converted in marriage, because that happens, when a Christian marries a non-believer or intends to marry an unbeliever. Or even our friendships so those are three aspects of uh, being unevenly yoked when Paul uses the language of being unevenly yoked he has in mind an agricultural picture whereby you have a maybe two cows that are yoked together they've got what we call a um, yeah it's a yoke I think it's called a yoke that keeps them together And so these cattle are meant to plow together or transport people together without really causing a problem. Now what happens when you put a donkey and a cow? What happens is that they're different in size, different in length, different in in mind. A donkey does not think like a cow. And a cow does not think like a donkey. And so, once you put them together, they will not be able to plow. Because when one is tired, it will sit down or stand whilst the other wants to move. They're not in agreement. They're not agreed. Which is why Paul says, do not be unevenly yoked. In other words, Christians should not be in a position where non-believers have the most influence over their lives that's what being an evil yoke means when you're in a state of marriage with an unbeliever they have the utmost influence over your life when you are when you friends um, when you're friends with the world or or you've got friend friends who are worldly inevitably when you've got friends who smoke and drink you will drift into smoke and drink there's so many people who come to you and say, well, you know, brother, that's extreme. You need to love the world. Jesus was in the world. Jesus sat with sinners, but he told them to repent and believe. He did not get into their lives and, you know, open himself up to non-believers and, you know, lean on unbelievers, so to speak. And so that, that is the idea that Paul has in mind when he thinks, when he, when he talks about being an yoked. This is imagery of, uh, you know, the agricultural, uh, an agricultural illustration. And inevitably, if you marry an unbeliever, you will pull each other in different directions. Because one is going one way, one is going the other. You are of Christ. You love the Lord. You savor the Lord. But they are non-believing. They probably conform to idols. They've got a different view of child rearing. They've got different principles and values. They would cut corners, be corrupt, do all sorts of things. And you are there trying to love the Lord. Very well, let's go on to those who get converted in marriage. Peter in 1st Peter chapter 3 Verse 1 to 2 Touches on this 1st Peter chapter 3 verse 1 to 2 When he's talking about wives and husbands This is what he says He says likewise wives He's talking about converted wives here Be subject to your own husbands so that even if some do not obey the word, in other words, some are non-believers, some are non-believing, they may be one without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. In other words, none. if a wife or a husband is converted in marriage, they are to conduct themselves in a manner worthy of the calling to their spouse now that you are you are a christian it does not give you a license to insult your spouse to disrespect them to not in case of a woman to not be submissive in case of a man to not lead it does not mean, it, does, it does not mean that now that you're a Christian you cannot lead your unbelieving wife. That's not what it means. but the fact still remains that when you are in that marriage you are unevenly yoked. It, it's already and it's not being unevenly yoked as a result of your own sin, but it's God's grace in your life that he has saved you from sin, graciously taking you, taking you out of the cesspool of sin and put you on higher ground in Christ Jesus. And so you are to conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the calling of the gospel. You are to, and here are practical uh, aspects of this, you are to pray for their salvation. One, two, you are to live in accordance with the scriptures. You are to be loving. And if they leave, Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 12 to 16, you must let them go. In other words, a believer is called to stay with an unbelieving spouse whenever possible. However, if the unbelieving spouse Abandons the relationship The believing spouse Is not to dispute the matter So it's not the other way around When you become saved You do not leave your spouse Your unbelieving spouse I hope I'm clear Turn, to, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 7 And we'll see this Right in the scriptures 1 Corinthians chapter 7 Verse 12, this is in the context of when Paul is talking about principles for marriage and is on this uh, whole, um, you know, role on marriage and, and singleness and widows and they are married. This is what he says from verse 12 to 16. To the rest, I, not the Lord, say. So this is Paul that if any brother has a wife who is an unbeliever and she consents to live with him he should not divorce her if any woman has a husband who is an unbeliever and he con- and he consents to live with her she should not divorce him for the unbelieving husband is made holy because of his wife Note: this does not mean that the wife saves the husband it just means that because of the wife's conduct uh, the husband can be convinced of the christian faith and the unbelieving wife is made holy because of her husband so it's 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 it's, it's, uh, it's the, the husband and the wife um, um if the husband is saved and the wife is not who knows whether because of the husband's conduct the wife can be converted. Note, this is in the context of those who both married and they were unbelievers. This is not in the context of of someone who's a Christian and before marriage, they're like, well, let me just go after the unbeliever. Paul is not talking about that. Let me continue. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but but as it is, they are holy. In other words, children of those who are children of believers have a privilege it's not that they are saved but they have a privilege because they have been born under uh, the the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ whom he has saved the family but if but if, if the unbelieving partner separates let it be so in such cases, the brother or sister is not enslaved. God has called you to peace. Wife, how do you know whether you, whether you will save your husband? Husband, how do you know whether you will save your wife? In other words, do not forsake the marriage because now you've suddenly become converted and your spouse is unbelieving continue loving them continue serving them. continue uh, being uh, being of help to them wherever necessary and however possible because you do not know whether God will use you the salvation of your spouse how many people have you heard well my wife and i were not believers i got saved first after five years by the grace of god my wife got saved or vice versa so that's the first aspect i want us to look at the second aspect which uh, involves when a christian intends to marry an unbeliever which which is what we are tackling today paul in first corinthians chapter 15 verse 33 says do not be deceived bad company ruins good morals i want us to go back though (coughs) to second corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 to 16, where it says, do not be uneven yoked with unbelievers. And Paul gives reasons why it is so. And I want you to focus on this. What accord, well, what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? In other words, what Paul is saying is that when you intend to marry an unbeliever, you are mixing light with darkness. When you are dating an unbeliever as a Christian, you are mixing light with darkness. Christ has no fellowship with Belial, which really is another word for the devil. The, these two cannot go hand in hand. These two are separate. The, the the light does not fellowship with the darkness. The light shines through the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. You you come across all these people in the world. Well, some some call it convert Mary and disciple. Well, no, convert disciple and Mary C D M. You are. It's called missionary dating. Where especially ladies will try to go after someone who is an unbeliever because he looks good. Now that's worldliness. That, that's exactly what we're tackling here. To say, those are not the characteristics that you're supposed to look for in a spouse if you are in Christ. If you're a new creation in Christ, a new creature in Christ... Physical attributes, or whether he is rich or he's, he's driving the latest car, is not what you are meant to be looking for in a spouse. Beauty is fleeting, charm is deceitful, but a, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. In other words, all these things that we look for all the exterior attributes and and the exterior delicacies as it as it were are not what we as christians if we are in christ are to look for we're to look for godliness uh, a contrite spirit uh, someone who is teachable someone whom you know that i can paint a picture, an illustration of Christ and the church for the rest of my life till death do us part. I'm not moving an inch from here. What do we see in the world? You remember people like Britney Spears? Britney Spears was once married for 72 hours. If you guys don't remember, 72 hours got married and divorced they're in there, bam and, and that is the world the world is all about well, the, 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 sh- the, the shoe that fits oh, I'm fed up the, the slightest inclination of problems I'm going the slightest even the slightest uh, bread crumb uh, missing in the, bre- in the bread tin oh, the bread tin is empty I'm leaving Or maybe your wife is struggling with barrenness Or you yourself are barren You are impotent You can't have children All of a sudden the wife or the husband Starts skipping around Texting around Looking around For an alternative So that they may fall pregnant because of what society and the flesh is saying you need a child you need a child and and, and I was talking to uh, one pastor pastor Conrad Mbewe and I said why is it that in the church women are more likely to be unevenly yoked more than men and he said well Women are more emotional, more attached. Men tend to, to think through some of these things. I'm not saying men are not guilty of being uneven yoked. We have seen brothers who have gone for non-believing women and are married to them now. And they know that in the beginning they should they should have been they should have listened to counsel from the church of Christ. They should have listened to uh, to counsel from friends, uh, godly friends, to not marry that girl who is a non-believer. Now they are in all sorts of pangs, all sorts of griefs. Their life is miserable. They did not think about the consequences. They just were. Taken away by the allure of their eyes. And that's why, friends, it is fleeting. It is fleeting to go after a pin-up model and say, well, that is the thing I love about her. she's just beautiful. It's the last of the eyes. To go after a pinup model over and above godliness, holiness, sanctification. Someone who's been saved by grace, but back to my point, women are more likely to fall into this because they are so they think of on their emotions, they they, they 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 are easily wooed away. That is why we see with uh Eve, is the one who fell first in the garden. Men tend to be more calculated, but even in the calculatedness, they tend to also put off marriage and and, and wait and wait even when the right one comes or a godly lady comes they are too blind to see they can't see it and friends there are countless examples that I can give as consequences for marrying an unbeliever one, like I said earlier on, the issue of church. Once you marry a non-believer as a Christian, you will eventually grow cold to serving the Lord. I'm not saying that you will you lose your salvation. No, no, no. You will lose that, 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 that zeal for the Lord. We know brothers who married girls that are non-believers who in the beginning was so zealous for the Lord, they preached the gospel. But when life took over, when reality took over, they could no longer serve the Lord because the person they are married to is a goat. They are more concerned about the world. They are more concerned about materialism. Paul says, uh, bad company corrupts good morals. The inevitability that the one who is bad will influence the one who is good. And so the one who is bad will then say, Well, you know, church is not, is not essential. Stay home. Eventually, you will also fall into that category. Uh, giving is not essential in church. Hmm? Let's use that money to build a nice house. In Borodil Brook You're no longer giving to the work of the Lord You're now building a a huge mansion in Borodil Brook uh, Or you even start disappearing from church Not accountable You start resenting the church You start bad-mouthing the brothers You start saying, well, the church is You, You are bitter You find excuses That is what sin does we must be careful, friends. We must not sacrifice that on the altar of marrying an unbeliever. Rather stay single, I would say, than marry an unbeliever. And I think the Bible does agree with what I just said. Look for a godly spouse. Look for someone who can lead you if you're a woman. Is he mature? Can he provide? Can he protect me? Does he qualify to be a husband? There are qualifications, believe it or not, to being a spouse, a godly spouse. There are qualifications for being a godly woman. It's serious. It's very serious. It affects even your values. If you're married to an unbeliever who believes abortion, <laughs> okay, let me give you a, 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 maybe an extreme example. You marry an unbeliever who believes in abortion. Let's say you're a woman, and uh, and and uh, your husband says, "Well, you know, I was not ready for the kid," and I'm not what I'm gonna go and, go and abort, and you know that in Christ. You know we are not supposed to. We are not supposed to kill children. Abortion is sin. It, it cannot even be tolerated. There is no ounce where it should be given an opportunity. But here you are, with a non-believing husband, who, by the way, is someone who has got authority, who drives the home, whose influence is more than you. See one of those consequences? And friends, sadly, many people are married to non-believers. They're not happy. Many Christians are not happy. They've lost their saltiness. What does Matthew say? (laughs) They're they're of no use, but that they should be trampled underfoot. we must be careful even i would even go as far to say we must be careful in marrying people who have got different doctrinal positions we must be very careful when we think of those things because it will cause a rift in our marriage. That is seen as got far-reaching consequence. People are like, well, no, it's fine. I love the lady. She's just evangelical. You marry her. You're a Reformed Baptist or you're a conservative Christian. You're trying to pray. She's praying in tongues at the table. Making the utmost noise. Or maybe you marry a syncretist, your your child is got a headache, you want to pray for the child and take her to the pharmacy, she sneaks behind your back and takes the child to a sangoma. And you don't know that. I, I've got a brother who told me the story that his child was ill and his mother conspired with the wife and they took the child to the sangum because the wife obliged. You, you, You should be in a position where you trust your spouse. You understand that, listen, we are not only Christians, but we agree doctrinally. I know that you, you should be in a position whereby I know that even in my absence my wife will not do that by the grace of God. Even in if, if, even if she's absent I should be in a position whereby I'm saying well, we know our values, we know what we believe by the grace of God's enabling I will not do that. That's what Paul is talking about here. That's what Paul is laboring to to, to teach and preach. Paul is a a pastor or a theologian or or even an apostle who is burdened for his people. He's saying, friends, this is dangerous. Be careful. I cannot stress and overemphasize to young people right here who are in the online and even offline, brother Doe, who's about to get married. Marry in the Lord. Do not be one who says, Well, I'll just sacrifice. The Bible says, Obedience is better than sacrifice. Obey the Lord. And you won't have to sacrifice. Now if you say, well, I want to sacrifice. You will meet many griefs on the road. Marriage is serious. It's not for kids. It's to be thought through to be prayed through you need counsel godly counsel from wise elders who've walked with the Lord you need counsel from friends friends please scrutinize my girlfriend is she godly? friends please scrutinize my girlfriend is she a christian does she serve in the church does he serve does he love the lord of course there's no one who's a complete uh, package as it were you don't go into marriage as a complete package it's impossible you're going to marry with certain issues i want us to look at uh Some examples in the Old Testament. In in in, in, um in the law of Moses, and this is found in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 3 to 4. God forbade Israelites to marry outside of the covenant community. Because he knew that the ones who worship false gods Will come and taint the ones who were his children Ezra, in Ezra chapter 10 verse 2 to 3 He was praying to a large group of, of Israel Israelites And he says we have been unfaithful to our God By marrying foreign women from the peoples around us But in spite of this There was still hope for Israel. But the the thing was that God did not, he forbade the marriage or marrying of foreign women to his covenant community people because they would come and spoil and taint his people. Idolatry. Judges 14 verse 3 When Samson Came to his parents And told uh, told them That he has met a Philistine They said have you not Found a woman amongst Our people that you should Go out there? But Samson led by Sinful desires God used His sinful desires accomplish his purposes if you read the narrative it says that they, they did not understand because this was appointed by God but we know that in Genesis 50 verse 20 God uses evil to accomplish his purposes what man meant for evil God meant for good I think this is a very important truth that is relevant to us today it is not saying go and marry an unbeliever and God will accomplish his purpose. Of course, you will accomplish his purposes, but it's saying what man meant for evil, God meant for good. So even whatever you're going through in life that people are, you know, accusing you or you you are feeling the strain of the world, God meant it for good. So that is an evil yoke. Getting an evil yoked in, in in dating relationships and marriage. We should be extra careful, friend. extra prudent. Seek counsel, pray, see, because the thing is that we want to hear from God. Independent of the scriptures The scriptures teach on wisdom Go to Ecclesiastes Go to Proverbs You're looking for a spouse Go to Proverbs chapter 31 Memorize it Meditate upon it Do, Does this lady have the qualities That I'm about to marry Look, Watch out how she lives with the family Watch out how she serves a family Is she submissive to her her dad. Because chances are if she's not submissive to dad, she won't be submissive to you. Trust me on that one. If the man is not working hard in the home and serving his family, he will be pathetic in marriage, lazy. Now, let's, let's quickly rush on to friendships and, and pills. Because this even applies to our friendships, our business dealings in the world. Whereby Christians enter into business dealings, of course, they are not avoidable. Maybe you're employed in a company, you work with non-believers, what is to be an evil yoked is to be in a position whereby you are in a partnership with someone who is an unbeliever. Where you hear people say, Well, that is my best friend. You're a Christian and your best friend is an unbeliever. <laughs> Folks, when God saves us from sin and He puts us. In a new family Adopted in a new family We ought to make Our best friends In the body of Christ Now that's not legalism We should forsake The unbelieving friends The, the, the rotten To the core people Who will tell you We need to go and steal We need to go and drink We need to go and, and, and sleep around with the forbidden women the, 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 the word of God is clear Against that Even Christians Dare I say some People who say they are believers In the body of Christ But live a hypocritical life A different life We are to mark and avoid So many people are undiscerning So many Christians are not discerning Because they are naive they're not reading the scriptures. You, you're not discerning because you're not reading the scriptures and you don't know the scriptures. Enough to be able to know. To say, no, no, that is someone I must avoid. Because of their lifestyle. We, we, dare I say that maybe we're not discerning because we love the world too much. We have given up. We have been desensitized. We spend our lives binging in the world. Drinking the world. Consuming the world. The entertainment, worldly. The friends, worldly. The spaces I go to, worldly. Go to church on Sunday, no, oh, I don't go. I go to the mall. I go to the botanical gardens. Play golf on Sunday. And you say, well, the church... uh, Yeah, you know. It's not essential, so... God loves me anyway. I love Jesus, but I don't love the church. That, friends, is a lie. Those are lies that we should never believe. And friends... We, we do know this but I think it's very hard to apply and I'm not saying this is what I'm not saying and I, and I don't want you to walk away from here thinking well brother Joe is saying I must forsake the world and, and not speak to anyone from the world that is not what I'm saying it's, un, it's unavoidable we, we come in close contact and proximity with the world daily in fact Jesus says, Go ye, therefore, where are you going? You're going into the world. You are in you are you, in constant interaction with these people daily in universities, in work, in town, in the CBD, wherever you'll be. Christians ought to be there in those spaces, preaching the gospel, pushing back the forces of darkness. But what I'm saying is that. Be careful of making them the central part of your life whereby they now have authority and speaking into your life. That's what we say when we say, that's what we mean when we say, don't be unevenly yoked in your friendships. Friends, think about maybe that person that you know in the church, that is so worldly they can't they they used to serve the lord so so well it used to be so zealous for the lord but now because of sin and life and the wooing of the world and the friendships they have they now are so far gone you cannot even tell I'm saying, is that person a christian you know you can't tell what animal it is. It's like, ah, hot or cold. What's happening? Lord, Lord, you, you you're even in anguish for them. Your blood is curdling. The moment you see some of the things they post, some of the things they love. Because we can't avoid things that people post nowadays because that's people's lives. Social media is now people's lives. You know, some of the things they post, the pictures. The things they advertise. Say, ah, but you know what? Back in the day, this one loved the Lord. What has happened? Friendships. I love my high school mates. I pray for someone. Those who I'm in contact with, those who I know. But I cannot say and affirm, and I'm not confident to say I would spend most of my time with them. I'm I'm not confident in that. I cannot even put myself in that position. Because bad company corrupts good more, And this this is a concern for me As a pastor Even as I Think of church planting Shepherding the, Shepherding the flock of the Lord Jesus Christ I see it Everywhere Popping up and down Like hot springs You know You ask yourself, so how do you navigate this? A young lady in the church, bad friends. They are swaying her away. Eventually, a bad man. Eventually, a bad marriage. Eventually, why did you tell me? I need to divorce this person. The Bible says no. You're a Christian, but we told you. Why did you not listen? And it's so hard in, in an offended world. Everyone is offended. You, you, you know, you, you even shudder to approach your brother to say, Ah, can I talk to that brother about this lady? Because, ish, you know, I will be called a fundamentalist. Can I even talk to this sister to say, no, 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 Sister, that man, that he is not godly. Don't, do not mislead. Do not be misled. Now, now, the problem is that there is no one in this world who is more stubborn than a Christian who is about to marry an unbeliever. <laughs> There's no one more stubborn. It's more stubborn than a scab that has, that has you know, grown, uh dry on your skin, you're trying to remove it. They are hanging on for dear life. They love their goats. They love their goat. They love their unbelieving friends. And you say, no, 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 no. They they've got they've got they are like a horse on blinds. They've put on their earbuds and they are just running. And you cannot do anything. They marry, they start having well start having kids, or even first week of marriage, they've already seen I've made the worst mistake in my life. (laughs) There's no, they, they are even too proud to let you know, ah, guys, you know what, I've made a mistake. And you can see, waning away from the church fellowship, church attendance is erratic, doesn't serve in the church, fruitless, Have you ever met fruitless Christians? Yeah, maybe they are saved. They are saved. But there is no fruit in their lives. There is no growth. You are still there. Because of being an even youth. You are not growing. Find a spouse, friend, who will ensure you grow in the Lord. Who will motivate you to grow. Who motivate you godliness? Who will call you out when you're sinning? Who will call you out when you are doing things that are not godly? And who will pray and cry with you and, 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 and encourage you when you're downcast. When things are not going well at church, they'll encourage you. Not someone who will just. They're just an unbeliever. So they can't do anything. They just look at you. You're mad. Friends, I've got so much things to say, but I think we can, we can stop here. And if there's a need, we will have a part two. But I think I've said, I've given relevant examples and I hope that we see this in the scriptures. We see this in our lives. We see this in God's providence. We see this in God's word. And we are trembling we tremble, because once you go in, some really ever come back. I'm not saying that when you marry an unbeliever, God may not graciously save them. I'm not saying that. Who am I? I'm not the author of salvation. God can do whatever He wants, whatever He pleases. But I'm saying in his written word, he says, do not be unevenly yoked with non-believers. There's a reason for that. Amen, friends. Uh, I'll give the time for chit-chat.